Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Elevate podcast. I'm your host, Adam Harris, and today I am joined by a Brit living abroad in Australia, uh, a fellow EOS implementer. Please welcome to the show, uh, Roger Vertanis. Is Have I pronounced your, right, your surname right, Roger? And it's very okay. rare that people do, oh. so congratulations. Oh. I appreciate that. Absolutely spot on. So, Roger, just to tell us about yourself. Give us the the two-minute elevator pitch. Well, I grew up in uh, London, the youngest of 10 kids, Adam. So I uh, grew up in a very loving, uh, joyous uh, family uh, environment and background. And uh, half of the family are entrepreneurs and half are very studious uh, uh, you know, educators and Coming from that background, um, you know, I grew up in London, then moved down to the South Coast, and I've been in business pretty much all my life uh, in family business, which really just drew me into my whole alignment of uh, my energy and what I love to do. So it's brought me through stages of running five businesses and into now helping other business owners get what they want and uh, um, living the dream. And the EOS life helping entrepreneurs get what they want out of their uh, businesses now. And it's uh, it's a joy of work and something that uh, I never get uh, anything but, you know, alignment on just helping people. Ten kids. Wow. Um, yeah. Did you remember all, all of your siblings' names? It was quite funny at school because I remember my friends rallying around and some of them I didn't even know, you know, in the, in the playground. And they'd go, listen to him saying all of his siblings' uh, names. And I ran through them in three seconds. You know, Desmond, Michael, Wendy, Judy, Kathy, Christian, Roger, Roger. They'd go, wow, so many people. Um, so, yeah, in the immediate family, siblings and nephews and nieces to a certain degree, up until I, I think I was uh, moving to Australia 16 years ago, I could remember birthdays as well. But now you need, you know, you need apps. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned there that you moved to Australia 16 years ago. What what was the what was the reason and the decision to move? Well, I was fortunate to travel to uh, Australia from a very young age. I had two siblings who worked in the cargo and passenger uh, side of British Airways, and uh, they both progressed very well. And uh, back in those days, you used to have these uh, AD75 tickets that were uh, privileged to family. And uh, I went to Perth at 14. I went back after that three-week holiday and wrote in my school diary or journal, I'm going to live in Australia and marry an Australian girl. And uh, interest in what you write down. <laughs> uh, and I gave Lynn on our wedding, and my wife Lynn is an Aussie, and I gave that book to her on our wedding day, just saying, you know, I do keep my word. <laughs> I, and, and that kind of dovetails really quite nicely into EOS because one of the sayings within EOS is, you know, mm. be careful what you uh, what you wish wish for. Mm. So I, I'd love your kind of input on that as to the manifestation of uh, writing or journaling or, or vision boarding, etc. Why do you feel that it's so important that we do all of that? Well, I know at school I certainly didn't do that very well. Uh, but then again, the topics were not engaging for me. So I read little and wrote little in my school years. And when I started to work in the family businesses, I went through the normal cycles that business owners do and you get stuck in the weeds a lot and you don't come up for air and clarity and journaling. And it was actually a, a mentor of mine uh, from the freight forwarding industry when I ran my brother's company, I was 24. And I used to go out to Saudi 
uh, and go to the Middle East three uh, three times a year. And 80% of our clients were there. And uh, I used to meet these two brothers in Riyadh. And uh, one of them became a bit of a mentor for me because he asked me to do projects for him. And he was the one who first told me about journaling and writing down vision and goals. Uh, and I think he did that because he knew that I wasn't quite clear on where I was heading and was a very busy man uh, working 80 hours, a uh, 100 hours a week in freight forwarding. So I think fast forwarding that to today, um, that thinking time for me, and I think Henry Ford said, you know, thinking yeah, is the toughest uh, work that a leader does, which is why so few people mm. engage um, in it. I was going to say one of my famous uh, favourite quotes is uh, Winnie the Pooh, who said, uh, "Sometimes, sometimes doing nothing <laughs> is doing everything." Um, wh why do you think, yeah. as individuals, as leaders, that we don't give ourselves the permission to just be still? Mm -hmm. And I'd also love for you to kind of share this aspect around the clarity break as well. One of the the EOS tools. Yeah, I look back on my running of my companies and um, I've, I've learned that it's all down to trust and that, and that breathability to, to let go and empower your people is, is that's the tool. That's the tool we all should uh, learn, sharpen and continue to practice with consistency and, and until we reach it, it's counterintuitive for most leaders of their companies to take that stillness and feel there's going to be a huge benefit to themselves to do it because they find it such a grip, you know, uh, on their business and and to, to allow that space of time. One thing I can share with you and for the listeners is that uh, having worked with 62 businesses uh, with EOS, but around 400 in coaching and management uh, advisory, uh, there's a very common theme that I've had, and that is thank yous and acknowledgements and also just gratitude that when business leaders do take the time out of their businesses, they often go back to it and they go, hey, Rog, it actually went pretty well. And I'm like, really? Isn't that surprising? Um, and of course, they're starting to build the right people in the right seats to make that happen. But that's the whole point of the process. Uh, it, it's hugely important for confidence and uh, for most mm. of all for health. Um just uh, share the aspect around the clarity break for, for me, please. The clarity break tool is around basically scheduling time with yourself for that stillness, just allowing space of time and to come out of the business. And people often understand the terminology of working on the business versus in. Well, act, words are great, but actions count. So to actually schedule time with yourself to just come out of the business and the Clarity Break tool encourages a few things. The first key is let that meeting pulse with yourself be scheduled in advance so that other time doesn't invade it. So it's protected. The second thing is choose what the meeting pulse should be. Some leaders do an hour a day, some do weekly, some fortnightly. I do mine monthly now. I find that I don't need it as regular, but however, uh, when you do start them, I had a leader, James, uh, contact me on an email a couple of weeks ago and he said, Rog, I did this clarity break that you guided us through and uh, I sat there and I had no idea what to do. And I came away after an hour and found it a little bit strange that I was sitting there in silence. And I said, I know, James, and that's called your guard. 
<laughs> so what you need to do is let your guard down and start having the thoughts enter your mind a bit like mindfulness mm. or meditation uh, the only difference is that when the thoughts come in just let the pen flow massive key to clarity breaks no devices no distractions disconnected from the business everything that a leader hates to do but when they do it it's uh it's a gift and i'm really grateful for gino and his team don and mike and daniel davis who brought eos here just to teach me that gift and uh, what, i've continued what, what do you think that gift since. has done for you um you know personally but also from a business perspective well, it's done two things. I think it talks, it allows you to talk to your heart as well as your head. And I think if we can go to that deep nature of allowing ourselves to, to be honest and true to ourselves, it gives greater clarity and confidence mm -hmm. of what we want and what we don't want. And one of the keys that's come from clarity breaks for me is this thing I found very difficult through my life. Uh, and that's the, um, the answer of no. Um, I grew up, as I just said, as ten youngest of 10, and you become mm -hmm. a people pleaser, not because of necessarily how you're conditioned, but how your belief system develops. So to say no to things is counterintuitive to me because I'm here to help. Well, I can tell you for the last 30 years in business and more, um, it hasn't necessarily always helped me. <laughs> uh, and that goes for health and uh, service to myself and my family so to me it's a key uh, and and that's one of the gifts I've got from it and I've said no to more things now over the past three years than I ever have done and I'm probably the best version um, of myself it, it's funny I hear you say that and it reminds me of uh, something a, a mentor said to me years ago which was if you're gonna say yes to something then you need to say no to something else that's a great way of uh, compartmentalize in something that can help you on your way yeah. it won't it so because we feel this look I, I felt I felt a lot of guilt over the time when I've said no to people I've, I've wanted my energy to be pouring and someone said to me recently Adam which was a great uh, little just refresher for me which was um, you know they want your energy <laughs> and I say yeah I get it but I want to give my energy but we only have a few kilowatts of it, so I uh, I protect it very well now. I I feel so I'm I'm very very so how, so I'll pick up on that then. So how do you recharge to get that energy back? You have to take time out of the business. You have to take time for yourself in three ways. I feel, you know, I've always used the mock uh, the oxygen uh, uh, the oxygen mask analogy since I've been doing this work. Um, when you journal and when you get clear on what you want, that's called goal setting or visioning or whatever, but it's not the only tool you need. What you need is motivation towards something. And the motivation, once you get the clarity is to understand that you've got to be healthy and fit. You know, Daniel and I used to call it stage fit as an EOS implementer, or when we do keynotes, you've got to be stage fit. You've got to be there. You know, to serve others, you've got to be serving yourself first and foremost. So I think health and yep. well-being, number one, and choose whatever, uh, you know, tool or mechanism or exercise that looks like for you. Um, plus, just allowing yourself that time where you just cannot 
ingest the amount of noise that's available to mm. us today. Um, I just want to go back to, uh, you, you spoke before about this aspect of trust and instilling trust in uh, in other people and there's a great tool in EOS delegate and elevate but i want to pick up on the aspect of, in, around trusting yourself so how how do we go about trusting ourselves well firstly i think trust in ourselves comes with our own acceptance that we don't know everything and i think as leaders what I've witnessed and observed over the development of the leaders I've worked with is which as much as I can applaud them and say they are it's been a privilege to work with them the common thread amongst them is they often as you know listen to respond and not understand so what happens is you get this syndrome building inside you that I must have all the answers if mm. that's who you are and one thing I love to teach and love to encourage is just dropping our guards with some vulnerability and saying, I don't have the answers. And that's how you empower people to come together for collaboration and harmony and, you know, through uh, aligned to a mm. purpose or goal. We, we don't have all the answers. We, it's impossible to, to be somebody who can steer a ship and, and still understand that they can go around the, across their company and, and know everything that, should be going on i i think it was uh, steve jobs that said you know why employ great people and then tell them how to do their work it's we, we need to be supported so trust in yourself is more about i can trust myself for my own mm -hmm. skills and ability and i'm going to continue yeah. to learn and grow but i need people to do that with me so that they can grow yeah, me surround as well. yourself with people that are better and smarter than you is uh, is always a, a, yeah. a good thing um, do you recommend or implore any particular personality profiling at all that kind of allows you to understand, first and foremost, from an individual perspective, but then from a team perspective, strengths and weaknesses, etc.? Yeah, I think they're all valuable. The one I've connected most with, ironically, is has been Colby, which is K-O-L-B-E, and that's what the one that dovetails into energy flow and execution of tasks. And that's why EOS promotes Colby as, uh, would I say, a recommended profiling tool. And uh, my good friend Jason Kalevsky up in Newcastle is an expert consultant. And he's been, we, he and I have become very good friends. And the reason that is, is because once you have a profile of yourself, and I'll give you a key example of how it's helped my life and my business, is that I ended up saying to Jason, I love this, you know, overview you've now given me that i'm not a high fact finder so why am i beating myself up about not reading a lot of data my follow-through is really poor on my ideas so that's why i have my wife and business partner in my business as my integrator following through on all the stuff we want to do here and she does it beautifully well and my ability to just get into a vision and quick start on it is a nine out of ten and I've, in the last part of my profiling, Jason educated me that it's quite okay that I delegate tasks both at home and work because as an implement, using tools and think it's not my biggest strength. But the tools I do use for my business or at home have to be the best and the highest quality, otherwise mm -hmm. I won't engage with them. So I think you can resonate with that or anyone can resonate with that. But what I did with Lynn is Lynn bought into that 
education and because we know each other's Colby profile so well, it's improved our communication, our marriage, the communication at work. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we have healthy conflict. It, what it means is we're more effective uh, and we understand how to present uh, both communication and data to each other. So it's been really, really a life-changing tool to me. And uh, I encourage our, our leaders that come and see me to, to do the same. You mentioned earlier you've worked with over 400 businesses um mm. you know that that's a that's a lot of data uh i'd love for you to share yeah. some of the key issues problems opportunities challenges that you've you've seen and uh in in those organizations the common threads sure sure i think the main common thread is not the vision it's the people <laughs> and the main common thread is this our ability to have positive and great relationships with people is a unique ability in its own right. And that goes from our mindsets to our positivity about, you know, Simon Sinek, I love his work. And he says, you don't lead a company, you run a company, mm -hmm. you lead people. So if you want to lead people and you really want to see them grow and succeed and reach their potential through the vehicle of a business, which is probably one of the biggest privileges in life as far as I've lived it, is that the first thing you can do is ask them what goals that they're looking to achieve and how can you help mm -hmm. them achieve it. But you'll never do that if you don't have the right people in the company in the first place. So what they battle with most of the time is this prolonged emotional um, struggle to some degree of actually defining not who they should be working with, but how can they make the changes in the organizations that they only have the right people in the right seats? Because some of them do it mm -hmm. quite swiftly, some of them do them very slowly. And the difference between the two of having right people, right seats 100% to drain in energy, investment, time, money, the lot, it, it, it's profound. And anyone listening to this podcast to elevate, and you mentioned the delegate and elevate tool, you can't unless you can recruit, retain, and mm -hmm. inspire the right people culturally first. You do that well using some tools, using a business coach like you and I, and your life is completely different in and outside of your company. How many of those 400 businesses that you've worked with uh, were well on the way and you were just uh, a Sherpa, a guide, a coach to continue with that journey. Um, and how many of them do you think will just never, they'll just never get there? I think the percentage is high of success. You know, the first pillar of change is awareness. So what the EOS tools does and what we, you and I do in working with these wonderful people called leaders is to just raise their awareness with the tool. So the people analyze the tool raises their awareness through the core values and the right seat uh, tool we have called GWC. Do they get it, want it, and have the capacity uh, to succeed in their role in your company, in your organization? So that, that's an awareness tool. The great thing about the awareness tool is the people analyzer is not just designed for us as leaders, but it's more designed for the people who we are assessing and it becomes a coaching awareness tool for them. So because 
companies running on EOS don't need to fire people. They need to just raise a truthful awareness to the individual that says, listen, you're not going to be happy here. And my job for you is not to keep you in my company for you to be unhappy. In fact, anyone in an environment which does not suit them is going to be an unhappy Mm -hmm. individual. And our jobs as leaders is to send them on their way with some grace, kindness and care and say, you're going to be happy somewhere else. I just want you to be happy. Well, why do you think that uh, it's drilled into us that, you know, if you've got a job and you've got a role, um, that happiness doesn't really come into it? You know, that's never really been the narrative. Um, Is it is it education? Is it uh, a lack of understanding from a leadership perspective? Where do you think it sits? I think the core issue is a lack of connection. That the time it takes to connect with people does not have a Mm. definition. (laughs) It's whatever it takes. And when I was taught the cargo industry, and then I went into sport and then business sales and then coaching. Each time I was fortunate enough to sit down and listen to people who were smarter than I. And I was tuning and dialing into the fact that they took a lot of time with me. They invested in me and they helped me not just understand the tools of the trade per se. It was more to do with the fact of who was I, what motivated me. And I, and I really appreciated that because I felt I was mentored. Today, I just want to encourage leaders to keep doing that and coming out of the weeds and actually mentoring and inspiring their people because it's infectious. And that's why we are leaders is because we have this purpose that we're never mm-hmm. going to let go of it. But we need to get back into the connection of relationships and with due respect to all my HR lovely people I'm connected with is just... We need to just put the human back in human resources. I I wonder if the perceived lack of measurement for those uh, conversations as you're walking in through the office or those connecting people, uh, the intangibility of the measurement means that a lot of people are just not driven to kind of do it because it feels, you know, uh, something that they don't or don't need to do. Whereas... You know, I agree with you. I think all of the 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 for me, the inspiring leaders are the ones that want to create a legacy, and they realise that it's not about them. Yeah. It's actually about they're serving everybody else. And if you can create the environment, and actually the output of the business is just part of it, and you know, uh, there's so much more that can be that can be derived from creating something that's bigger mm. than just the organisation. Yes, that's a well, well said. And that makes me think that the, the modern leader feels that they have to have their fingers on a lot of key levers of their companies. And I don't necessarily carry that same philosophy. John D. Rockefeller said this, the secret to success is to do the common things uncommonly well. And if we can just boil down to simplicity. One thing I love about EOS, it keeps things simple, is to journal what are the simple things I need to do for my people, for me to lead my people. And it starts with a name. 
and it starts with the background. You know, we do these personal histories exercises at annual. I've just done 11 annuals of clients over the last nine weeks. And it's just so rewarding work. And, you know, we do the personal histories exercise where the leaders are sharing probably most of the time for the first time, they're sharing some backgrounds on each other. And some of them have worked with each other for mm. eight to 10 years. Yeah. Um, do we ever really know people? And I, I, and again, I think uh, as leaders, I suppose the question I often ask is, so what is, what, what's the culture? Uh, I, I'm a big advocate over the years of uh, Gallup 12, Clifton Strength Finders, etc. And one of the key questions within Gallup mm. is, have you got have you got a best friend yeah. at work? You know, if we're not creating these environments where mm. people are enjoying to come to, yes. what are we doing? We're, we're just creating a uh, a machine. We're not creating a a, a people uh, a people business. Um, Roger, as you reflect back over over your years. Who's the one or two people that have had a real big influence on your on your life? Yeah, my my dad first and foremost. Um, my dad was in the Burmese military, so he had seven of the children uh, in Burma. Left there with a plan to open restaurants in London because he was so good at organising huge events uh, as a military lieutenant colonel and then he went to london and his plan went to very south because his chef died on the uh, on the ship <laughs> and i'm not laughing about that event of course but it he just didn't have a plan b then he had a further three children one of them being me but when he ran his businesses he went into service stations and i and i i looked at dad from 12 years old when i first worked for him and everything in his service stations was immaculate the forecourt the pumps i know because i did it <laughs> the bathrooms and the way he served people with professionalism but humor and yet mm. care factor i could not have asked for a better grounding to understand that the way you make people feel is a common thing that all of us should be striving for because at the end of the day, you can have a product or service that everyone wants, but if you can't make people feel good um, through the touch points of your service and uh, delivery of what you do, then you're missing you're missing something special. So, Dad was a, a real um, a big mentor for me, um, and uh, my brother Chris. When I, we worked in the um, sports business together, I left the cargo industry having ran the family business uh, for Des, my eldest brother, for seven years and had a great trip. And he, Des is an amazing uh, mentor in his own right. But, but Chris and I had a special relationship and he always kept me balanced between my visioning of where the business should go and his uh, counterbalance to that of pragmatic approaches. So, yeah, my dad and brother were very profound. Um, are they both still alive? My father passed away. Dad passed away on uh, July last year at 97. Wow. His 97th year. So he uh, he always used to say to his about his other friends, which he obviously s succeeded. And he said uh, that was a good innings. <laughs> and he definitely had a good innings. Uh, a wonderful man who's left a clan of 70 people, um, as you yeah. call the legacy. And he's left a legacy now of people who are very united on his values and principles. So, I'm very if, proud about that. If you I'm were grateful. going to ask him uh, one question in line with this conversation, what do you think it would be? 
one question to my dad. I would ask him the question of what was his most common question that he ever asked. And his most common question that I heard him ask people is that definition of doing Mm. the right thing. And one thing I observed in dad is I, I heard it and observed it where people didn't always treat him the way he treated people, but he would never come off his moral compass and say anything other than treat people the way you wish to be treated. And I've held that in very high regard. And that means giving the time Mm -hmm. for them, listening to them, supporting them through their adversity, because when we do that, reciprocity counts and things go pretty well. Um, Fascinating listening to you that, the, the two people that have influenced your life are both within your family. Uh, and, I, and that's the yeah. first time I, you know, I ask the question quite often. That's the first time that somebody said both people um, from the family, you know, um, family is obviously incredibly important to you. I, I, I can hear it and I can feel it, even though we're, we're, we're on the screen. Yeah. How's that mm. for you transpired into w- with the family businesses that you've worked within how have you taken you know that the clan of 70 and all the lessons that you've learned what's that taken forward for you mm. uh what i i think that the most important one for me that i feel that that i've received feedback on is this delineation of a family organization and a family business and because they're running two separate organizations as such of a bunch of people who really do you know want the same things in life um is not to um you know is not to dovetail them is to keep Mm. them separate because whatever you want in life as a family member does not mean the 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 business has to serve you (laughs) to get it so i think the feedback i've received has been if you have a family council and an office, you know, without all the necessarily generic terms, but just from a family perspective is to keep the discussions very separate from the business building. And I think that's a real key. Uh, Chris and I did that really well. My wife and I do that really well. We have very, very key focus in, in the business. But if we want to have a family discussion or even challenge each other about positions in the businesses, you can't distort that because the wrong emotion enters the fray and all of a sudden you've got, um, you know, people's spouses giving an opinion at Mm -hmm. the boardroom table. And that's actually where it all starts to fracture. So if we can peel that back and treat each other the way we wish to be treated, there should be separate conversations and separate agendas. Uh, what happens if the way that I want to be treated is completely different to the way you want to be treated? Yeah, I think that that's part of learning about each other and what mm. works for each other, right? It could be even part of that profiling, the, the Gallup strength file. I mean, how many families would do the profiling? I'm not so sure. We're so convinced we know each other from birth <laughs> through, our, through our upbringing. But I know from being one of ten that I'm very I'm different to each of my nine siblings in some way. 
I have similarities to half of them, but I'm very different the way I approach life or what I want out of life. And that's okay. We've got, I, I believe we have to allow people to go forward and strive for what they want in life and ask them, how can I support you to achieve that? That's, that's all we can do. We can't interfere with their path. But I was going to say, Roger, do you think that's one of the challenges is that everybody has always got an opinion on somebody else's issue, problem or opportunity in telling them yeah. this is what you should do rather than enabling them and supporting them and giving them a space to understand and realise for themselves. Yes. Yeah, and that that's you've nailed it. And that that's where I, that's where I see have seen and, and still see where family conflict comes a little bit too sharp. There was a really good quote on a film I was watching or a series I was watching the other day and it said and he said uh, you know the tongue has no bone but it still crushes. And um, you know the words that come out in family heightened emotions uh, it, it can be hurtful. And and that what's said in a boardroom can suddenly affect the relationship to such a degree that it's quite often to hear estranged relationships because of involvement in family business. And you would have heard this, Adam, plenty of times, right, in your mastermind groups and things, and people say, don't work with family. It's actually been one of my best gifts of working with family um, because it's taught mm -hmm. me about myself. Yeah, there's a there's a huge richness. Um, so, you know, um, Taking that then, you you know, working with family businesses, uh, EOS uh, clients, over 400 businesses, why is it important to have somebody external come in and navigate and guide rather than, you know, work through these conversations or the EOS process on our own? What, what, why is it important to have somebody hold your hand? Well, I'll take you back to 2000 and two and the sports business which was in the coaching and education sector we were literally doing some great work from uh, across probably at that time about half a dozen sports and we built it to 16 different sports in the south coast of england where we were teaching physical education on contractual obligations with schools through the lottery funding money that was put into the purse strings of the principals, which was perfect timing for our business model. But we also ran our own uh, clinics coaching and and we had some really great stuff. We had Shane Warne, you know, open up our cricket and uh, some GB athletes working for us, some professional footballers that Chris and I and the team worked with. So it was a great journey. Um, but I, I, I look back at, on, on where I was in around what would have that been four years into running the company and you know we know right through the business life cycle is zero to five years where this 67 percent of australian companies are still failing in those first three to five years that's too high a stake to accept so number one there's a there's a problem right there just in the stat right and then i was talking to chris and i said i really don't know where how else we can start to scale this business because it's so people-based. And we got in touch with um, a business coach. In fact, we got in touch with three and we interviewed all three of them. And we started to work with Chaz. And the first thing he did is give us a framework of how to define what scale even looked like. And one, one thing he did do, which led me to getting in a financial director 
who ended up leading us through the uh, the sale of the business is those two people just gave us so much education and clarity about what our business was more about we would never have got there without their help and with their tools and with their um, advisory and then we built this three-year picture as we call it in eos but it was a three-year plan and part of that plan was me for me to actually sell and exit the business so having lived it myself i can only say that we can all sit there with a dashboard we may not even understand and and drive these businesses ourselves or we can drop our guards and uh, do a pit stop <laughs> and get people to, to help us build a better engine or you know uh, for us to go faster and and better and and win the race whatever race that is so um <laughs> we're both uh, eos implementers how did how did you get in into being an EOS implementer? I was selling businesses back in 2009 to 2012. And it wasn't a great year to be selling businesses because obviously the GFC had been, uh, was quite uh, impact, still had a huge impact, but there, you know, businesses need to sell and, uh, and, uh, and M&As are still a thing. Um, I met Daniel Davis, who has been our regional head here. And he was the first implementer in Australia. And, uh, Daniel and I had a very special relationship. He asked me to value a couple of his businesses at the time where he was running, he was running one key business and he had owned two others. And he and I used to have these coffee catches up, catch ups over the, and uh, we just used to shoot the breeze over business because we both loved it so much. And then Daniel was, um, running a, uh, management consultancy and more so training organization for, uh, small, medium businesses. And um, I went, went in and tuned into him and said to him, what, what are you up to? And he asked me the same thing. And uh, we went on a seven year journey working and building that business. And, and that's where that experience came from helping uh, small business owners uh, to structure and scale and live a great life. Uh, and there was plenty of successes there. Those tools were quite convoluted, um, yet brilliant. And we hit a ceiling and we sent Daniel to uh, Necker Island on a trip on Branson's Island. And uh, he did a talk there, which was quite unusual because Branson's Galactica had uh, had its incident right at that moment in time. Cut a long story short, Daniel delivered his talk. Someone in the group said, do you know Gino Wickman? Daniel said no. And then Daniel being Daniel, he went and bought the book in the airport and flew from Miami to Detroit to meet Gino. <laughs> and he came back from that trip and uh, threw a copy of the now infamous uh, EOS book called Traction on my desk. And he said, Rog, I think this could be our future. What do you think? And uh, we agreed and uh, we moved the business uh, to becoming EOS implementers. And I haven't looked back. Wow. Um... What brings you joy as you're walking out of the uh, the session days with clients? Their growth. When we when we talk about our healthy rules and we say comfortable with being uncomfortable, we're not just teaching them to speak their truth, or we're not just teaching them to gesture or provoke an elephant in the room. That's rare. What we're teaching them is that leadership is not maybe what they think it is. <laughs> We're teaching them that there is responsibility and sacrifice and a greater deal that they are going to be asked for where they're going to be putting people before themselves. And that, that to me is true leadership. And 
when we get them to have those conversations based on that mindset, you walk away from sessions and see these people just itching in their seats that they don't want to go there. But when they do, for the greater good of the company, the company gets what it wants. You talked about, you know, be careful what you wish for. It's because that three-year picture is now very, very achievable because of the behaviours in our session rooms and obviously back into the business with their people. So I, 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 to me, I heard you say on one of your podcasts that you were sharing a story and you said, oh, it gave me shivers. And uh, just answering that question gives me a little bit of shivers down because it's just great to see people doing well, living better lives and growing uh, as an outcome. Um, how often do you get that feeling? Well, it's it's a it's a process and a journey, so it, it doesn't mm -hmm. come quick, and uh, no one should ever feel that there's going to be transformative change in a heartbeat. So I read one of your um, articles recently, and you were talking about your, you know, your change and your physical exercise, and you were saying that you know the researchers were saying that it was, I don't know, whatever, twenty eight days or something or three to three to three of three to four weeks to adopt a new habit and then you were saying that the deeper research has found that it's actually more three to 12 months so the good thing about eos which we know we can call it proven is that it is a two-year journey in the mind's eye but in the physical presence of commitment it's so wonderful to say i'm not going to promise you anything right now <laughs> Because this is based on your commitment and your energy and your willingness, mm -hmm. right? Your mindset to open it up and sort of what I used to do a little quote uh, around change is just like we have to unlearn and relearn and that's what EOS does. And that may take a leadership team three months or six or nine or 12. Yep. It's not a race. We're here just to be better. And, uh, you know, not to apologize for good but to go for the great <laughs> so there'll, there'll be people that will be listening to this that um are inquisitive about me or about you or about um about eos mm. um what what's the one or two questions that you would be recommending that they should be asking of themselves as to understand whether uh eos is the right path for them yeah, well, look, what I've learned is they don't know what questions often to ask themselves. That's our that's our skill set and that's our duty of care to them. So when they reach out to us for an initial call, like I've had someone on Friday reach out through a referral from a client that graduated three years ago. And, you know, when I speak to this gentleman, I'm just going to be asking how he is, how he how is he tell, you know, what's his story? It's not about whether I can work with him or he can work with me, but it's about how's he going? What? Where, why is he? Why is he made the inquiry? Why is he now interested to do something? Um, so we need to ask the right questions of them so that we can raise their awareness that this is something that can truly help. Um, and then we obviously would naturally advance them to say, well, whoever you deem to be your leadership team, whether it's two people or four to seven, whatever, three to seven, um, bring them in because there is no assumption. We're going to have a really great 90 minutes to, uh, minutes together and we're going to show you what EOS can do to power on your business and be you know, faster, better and stronger planners and uh, people who execute 
far strongly than you can without it. So I, I love that sort of soft touch, but very advisory part. And uh, it leads them uh, with some form of confidence that this could be it. And uh, we now know with our results that it is it. <laughs> and just uh, please share some of the success results that you've had with some of the organizations you've worked with in recent years. Hmm. Well, I did a calc recently, so I've just coming up to the 500th session. And um, it's about 62 clients I've been working with over the sixth year that I'm into being a EOS implementer. And the average growth rate of the companies I've worked with is 18 to 40%. And I think any entrepreneurial uh, leader, leader or leadership team will, will plant any form of belief that that's a healthy return of investment. Um, I'm very much tuned into the profit of the business and removing any mindsets about um, a belief system around, you know, profit versus what my people mm -hmm. think about it. I try to break that barrier down. I won't force it. it I don't own that. Uh, my wife gave me a lovely quote a few months ago, which has been a changer for me and it says you know i'm open-minded to everything but i'm attached to nothing and Brilliant. i love it because uh, i just think we're not attached to how the way they want to run the business or where they're going to mm -hmm. take the business but what we do know is these tools and this system holistically will take them to a place that they can only imagine right now and that's really exciting and, and a privilege and as we say but it's beyond it's beyond what we feel it's like take them there never betray their trust and hold their hand all the way through and they will if get there. only you cared and you had passion for what you did <laughs> <laughs> i know can you um can you find some for me please? uh so just um kind of coming to the conclusion um I'm, this is a question i've stolen but i uh i think it's a great question um and it was shared with uh, with Dan Williams. Uh, so the question is, if there was a book about your life up to today, what would the title be? <laughs> the Unspoken Truth. And the, the preamble that would sit beneath that? We go through life knowing what our truth is as our core. We owe it to the people we have relationships in our family, friendships, colleagues, peers, communities, to speak our truth. And when we do, sorry to get a little spiritual, it does set you free. And by doing so, it also sets the other people free. So when we speak our truth, they actually know that it comes mm -hmm. from a good place. When it's delivered, as you said earlier, with my with care and compassion and empathy, but we, yeah, we need to speak our truth more. It, it will help enormously in relationships and life quality uh, and health. And uh, I'm, a, I'm just that's that's my mantra right now. So um, you have an audience that are listening. Is there any further truth mm. that you feel that you need to share? <laughs> uh, be true to yourselves and live the life you really need, and don't let anyone else own that you've got to own it. Uh, I, uh, I went to do a keynote talk for a client a few Fridays ago. Uh, they're a real estate company and a beautiful culture there. And 
it was such a pleasure to speak to their people but in the evening they had a gala night for their annual awards as well and Lynn came up to Newcastle and we attended that and Kurt Fernley spoke there and uh, Kurt as you know is the Paralympian that we're all very proud of and he just speaks with such power because he speaks so slowly and he you know this is the guy who crawled the Kokoda track <laughs> you can't not respect his ownership on and courage and each time he told a story Adam he would pause and he'd look up into the ceiling and he'd say I knew at that moment in time I had to own it and it was so profound for me because I think if we truly own what we want and what we want to do in life we'll never let anyone stop us doing that and I, I do know there's a number of people, both past, present and future, I'm sure, that will allow other people to own their destiny and just encourage people to own it themselves and live the life they want. You won't look back. Ooh, um, I've got goosebumps now um, because that for me, that is a, such a true point is uh, take ownership and responsibility. Uh, own your own shit I think so many times yeah um, it's always somebody else's fault um, but yeah. actually when we are prepared to take responsibility it does allow for us to to have uh, a level of freedom and and look there is always going to be stuff that's going to happen that we're not happy and we don't want um, but it, there's no point in pointing the finger Um because it just divulges and uh, dilutes the the responsibility that we need to take for ourselves. Um, Roger, this okay. has been fantastic. I knew that it would be. Uh, like, like um, <laughs> I I know that you are such a warm-hearted, giving individual. You're absolutely perfect uh, for the role that you uh, that you're doing in EOS. You know where it's a help-first mentality. And uh, I've seen yes. and shared calls with you on a consistent basis where. Um, uh, and I love the way that you're often apologetic for wanting to help um, in kind of going, oh, I hope I'm not just taking up too much of the of, of the time. But uh, you speak with such uh, such wisdom and such uh, care and attention. So I, I thank you uh, on behalf of all of those 400 businesses uh, up to this point that you've worked with. Um, but more importantly, the, the lives that those businesses have impacted um, and the businesses that you're going to help uh, moving forward. So um, thank you. Uh, this has been the Elevate podcast uh, where I talk to people that I know, like and trust. Um, and the podcast is all around helping individuals and business owners have more focus, flow and fun. Uh, don't forget, I am, like Roger, an EOS implementer. So if you do want to find out more information, please reach out. Uh, the only other thing I do ask is if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please just refer it through to one other person because never underestimate the difference that it will make on somebody else's life. If you listen to it and you didn't like it, I'm surprised you've managed to get this far, to be honest. Um, so don't recommend it to anybody else. Um, my name's Adam Harris. I'm your host of the Elevate podcast. Till next time, bye for now. <laughs>